each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, everybody, to the second stage. This is uh, kind of a special treat, Jeff, because not only uh, am I here, but you are. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're rarely doing this as a, as a team anymore because of too much travel, but it's exciting. We're gonna, we're, we've, got, we've got such a, such a charismatic uh, uh, guest where we, uh, we need to make sure that we can stay on top of our games. We have both of us dialing in, and that's exciting for me. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, no, it is, it is as well. This is always fun, and it is a rare treat anymore. So uh, we're both on our games. We're ready to go. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, the topic is strategies for small businesses to find the best capital partner to fuel growth. And who better to have than Brett Hickey? Brett is the founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital, a specialized asset management firm focused exclusively on small and mid-sized businesses as a strategic fund and direct investor. Uh, they can be followed on Twitter at Star Mountain Cap, and their website is www.starmountaincapital.com. Um, you know, Brett is uh, one of those individuals that's got uh, more energy than Brett, uh, uh, Brendan, and I combined. Uh, not only did he found Star Mountain Capital, but uh, he's been heavily involved in the entrepreneurial community throughout uh, his career. And uh, he also has a, uh, a, a wonderful philanthropic focus and uh, positive community impact. He's the founder of the Star Mountain Charitable Foundation, through which he has received multiple recognitions for his efforts, including the Pathfinders to Peace Award. Uh, board memberships include the Qu- Quebec City Conference, which we'll talk about, which uh, Brett has shared some with me in our prior conversations. Uh, he's also on the Board of Governors of the Small Business Investor Alliance, uh, of course, recognizing him for all his contributions. He is the member and former chairman of Networks for the New York City chapter of the YPO, or Young Presidents Organization, uh, Board of Harvard University Entrepreneurs Alumni Association, and Board of McGill University Alumni Association in New York. Uh, he has received uh, several uh, degrees uh, from McGill and Harvard uh, School of Business, and he's a frequent guest lecturer on industry panels and academic institutions. Oh, and one of the more special things I actually didn't know about you, Brett, was that you're a former Canadian national gold medalist and North American medalist in speed skating. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff, and uh, thanks, Brendan. Yeah, I, I try not to mention the former speed skating too much, given that it is now many years back, and that encourages people to see how fast I am at different things. And uh, <laughs> people people nowadays can run circles around me, though I uh, I try to get out there and stay on my game. As I was watching one of our analysts on Saturday uh, race in a little charity run that we did here in Central Park in New York for cancer research, I was saying to myself, I can't let these guys, these young guys beat me yet. And, uh, luckily I still beat them, but uh, I don't know how many years left I have at that. <laughs> so, so Brett, are you still, do you still skate also or is, or is that I, harder and harder to do? Yeah, I don't, Brendan. I, I wish uh, I wish I could. Uh, similar to you both, with all the travel that we do, I tend to now focus on sporting events that are uh, travel enabled. I'll call them, and so that has uh, has has me generally doing a number of half marathons and Olympic distance triathlons as my. 
sports of choice, or I guess I should say uh, sports that I'm remained uh, being able to do uh, with my travel schedule. But it, but it works out quite well in all seriousness. Well, that's great. That's great. In, in uh, um, you know, you st- step back. You know, Brett, obviously, uh, you know, very accomplished, and in, in um, you know, you you have uh, you know started a firm. You know, uh, you know, kind of, and I say heavily focused on you know, kind of some of the smaller growing businesses. Maybe kind of walk us through how you how you found the market and decided to to to, uh, to kind of focus on it. Sure. Uh, by way of brief background, I uh, I actually. Is uh, sort of funny. I was doing an interview uh, yesterday for a piece that'll be published for the next few months, and they uh, reminded me that the first business I actually started, which was a clothing distribution company, I started when I was 16 years old. So I guess I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial itch. Uh, in 2002, I moved to New York City to work in investment banking for Solomon Smith Barney back at the time, which has now become Citigroup Global Markets, and I covered financial institutions as our clients. So we helped them uh, come up with investment strategies and structures. We helped them go public, raise capital, uh, acquire uh, other businesses and stuff of that nature. And in 2004, I decided that we wanted to launch our own uh, small business investing uh, company with the idea that we, we found that the best returns were generally available from the less efficient markets and that it could be also a lot more fun to work with businesses where we could add more material and meaningful value to them. So I guess it was uh, being fortunate to have access to a lot of data, a lot of information from working with very large financial financial institutions, which included BlackRock and Blackstone and folks of that nature. And uh, we found the, the last frontier of, of uh, inefficiency in what people refer to as the lower middle market or small and medium-sized businesses. That was the beginning of uh, why we got to this end of the market and how. But it's you know, funny. Brett, uh, so, go ahead, Brandon. I was just saying, but you, you are an accomplished entrepreneur before you started Star Mountain. So I think like Brennan and I, you have this eternal faith in the entrepreneur and, and that, you know, with the, if you back the right people, these are really great opportunities out there. Yeah, that's right. I, you know, I, I always like to say, Jeff, that I take an entrepreneurial approach to the finance industry, which is different than a lot of people in the finance industry who uh, more often spend 15 to 20 years of their first half of their career uh, as a lawyer, as an investment bank, or maybe working for a very large investment firm. And I think that uh, while there's pros and cons to each path in life, that path in life has you become a lot more set in your ways, whereas I've taken an approach uh, of looking at the market opportunities and saying, where are the opportunities and what would be the most logical way to pursue them and to help businesses no different than what any entrepreneur or business owner would do when they're uh, looking to build and grow their companies. And I think that's why we often resonate very well with business owners and why we have a uh, quite a differentiated approach to how we uh, invest in the market and how we build and, and run our own business, much more like an entrepreneur would. 
I, I always I use the word fun when you described it, and and uh, I oftentimes I'm like you kind of catch up. Somebody catches me and says, you know, what you know, tell me what you do, and I'm like, and it's like we we really work in the fun side of the market where you can, uh, you can make an impact. You can you can really you know in, change uh, what, what's happening in these little businesses, and that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a good word. Uh, we use it a lot. What. Um, maybe talk a little bit about you know kind of what it is in the small market that makes it fun. Yeah, it's a good good question, Brendan. Uh, I, I always like to say to friends of mine that we've all studied the utility curve of money, and that money at the end of the day uh, is not what brings happiness. And so, if if money is what you're chasing, you will probably be disappointed in your life. Uh, and instead, I think you should pursue and chase your passions and things that you're excited about and where you think that you can make a difference in the world. And I think that's really how we look at our business and investing in these smaller companies, where we feel quite purposeful in our careers. Uh, Star Mountain Capital, for example, has trademarked investing in the growth engine of America, and we we really feel that's what it is, and it's very fulfilling for us when we help business owners achieve their objectives, grow their companies, and you know really make a meaningful difference in society and in their local communities. And so that to us feels good. It feels good to be able to help other people. And um, that's something that, that we're quite passionate about as part of the core DNA and culture of our firm. And and I think that's the fundamental, uh, you know, I think that's a fundamental attribute that most humans have is that they want to feel important. They want to feel valued and they want to feel that what they're doing with their time is making a difference. And as with yourselves, our feelings are that with these smaller companies, uh, it's, you know, we are able to make measurable impacts and helping them take their businesses to the next level. You know, one of the things that kind of, you know, I started out as, as you know, kind of, I, I bought a manufacturing business and was running it or out of, out of after I finished my banking life. And one of the things I never, as a younger person, never thought about is is kind of where I wanted to take the business, what my personal long-term goals were. Maybe talk about, you know, kind of um, in that planning process, understanding what's important to you as a business owner or as a person. Yeah, it's a great, great question. And uh, I think, um, you know, Brendan and Jeff, what you guys are doing here is really a fantastic service to all business owners uh, across the country and, and presumably with different folks uh, across the world. And it's important that we all share our experiences uh, instead of having to learn on our own uh, sweat and tears, or you may even say blood, sweat and tears, that you know, a lot of the things that we've all gone through are things that other people have gone through as well. And so getting across that education is pretty important. As part of that, uh, we have a few, you know, key pieces of advice for business owners. I think as one suggestion, we'd have, you know, three key initial things. Um, the first thing is for business owners to really think about where they want to go and what they want to achieve both personally and professionally. Uh, and until you can do that, you can't think about the second point, which is who would be the best type of partner to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. And I say personal in that you may want to transition your business to your family. 
you may want to sell your business. Those are the things I refer to as personal because that will matter in who you're looking to bring in as a financial partner. Uh, and then that phase two is assessing the landscape of your financial partners, which includes assessing the type of capital that would best fit your personal and professional goals. And then the third phase, uh, once you have done your planning of thoughtfulness, we then think is to start your your reach out process, which of course has has many phases to it. But we find that people often run to phase three because they're anxious to get going and quickly get the money where they don't think enough about their planning and their own personal and professional objectives so that they can then really find the right business. When you think about and I notice you're a member of YPO and I've been an EO for a long time and you know in, in a weird way you know when you start when you're younger or you first have a business you, you just you just assume you want to grow you assume you want to you know kind of become this massive company and then something happens or whatever um, what, what is it you know when you know what is it you see the best resource for these entrepreneurs to figure out what they want to do with their business? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I actually, as well, Brendan, uh, did start in the entrepreneurs organization as well and was on the board here in the New York City chapter. Oh, that's right. And I, and I think I joined, it might have been back in 2005, I want to say, which is 11 years back now. It's amazing how time flies. In 2008, I joined the Young Presidents organization as well. And for two years, I actually stayed in both. And as you would know, they're relatively similar. And what I found is that they each gave me something different. The entrepreneurs organization, as is implied with the name entrepreneur, were more business owners and on average smaller companies. And I found them really smart and tactful at stretching a dollar at saying, how do I take my limited resources, but those limited resources being very important to me, and how do I really maximize the value with them? What I found the Young Presidents organization better at is maybe a slightly larger business and the different needs that the businesses have there, which is how do I professionalize my business to the next level? How do I think about building my board of directors uh, and other things of that nature? And they're probably not as good about stretching a small budget or leveraging it, but might be better with certain higher level, more strategic things. So I think those organizations are both uh, fantastic and probably leading organizations. Uh, Vistage is another organization that is a another similar business model and a for-profit uh, ran capacity, I believe, whereas the, the Young Presidents Organization and the Entrepreneurs Organization are non-profit organizations. Uh, and then I would say academically, there are a lot of great universities and institutions uh, in the U.S., including, um, you know, down in, in your uh, home state, you know, the Fisher School of Business uh, is a fantastic organization that has a lot of great learning programs. Uh, Harvard Business School is one that I chose to go to with an executive uh, program that they run for business owners only. And Harvard Business School has a lot of different programs uh, for different type of business owners and people at different stages of business that I think are really fabulous and offer a lot of great uh, ways to uh, to learn. No, that's great, and, and and we just find you know one of the things, and and uh, we we've, I think we've mentioned this on many shows that we we look for in entrepreneurs is you know are they are they are they reading the books? Are they going? Are they you know are they trying to you know reach out and and learn from other people's experience? And all we can say over and over and over again is 
you got to do it. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, this, people have done all these things before and it's, it really does separate people, uh, the entrepreneurs from, you know, people that are just, you know, thinking about doing it to, to actually doing it. Um, the, uh, you know, Hey Jeff, maybe we jump to a, uh, to a, uh, a, a break. And when we come back, we talk, we, you know, kind of walk through, uh, Brett's second stage, which is, uh, you know, how to, uh, find the best partner and what those partners look like and the types of capital and that sort of thing. If that makes sense, Jeff. That sounds good to me. Uh, you are with uh, the second stage and our guest, uh, uh, Brett Hickey, uh, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. Uh, you can be followed at, on Twitter at Star Mountain Capital on a website, www.starmountaincapital.com. And we are talking about strategies for small businesses to find the best capital partner to fuel growth. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We're talking about strategies for small businesses to find the best capital partner to fuel growth. Our guest this afternoon is Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital, a specialized asset management firm focused exclusively on small and mid-sized businesses as a strategic fund and direct investor. Uh, you can find Brett on Twitter at Brett Hickey SMC, and you can find Star Mountain Capital also on Twitter at StarMountainCapital.com. I uh, want to thank our sponsor, RSM, formerly McGladry, the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people 
in 75 U.S. cities. I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. Uh, when we laugh, left the last segment, we were talking about the, the benefits and attributes of uh, lifelong learners Brett, and during the break, you made some really, really important observations I'd like you to share with our audience. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I was following up on a point that uh, your partner, Brendan, made, and he made uh, reference to looking for business owners who are reading books, seeking knowledge, seeking information on how to do the best job they can in building and managing their businesses. And uh, we would agree to that. And uh, the thing that we look for is how do people systematically approach things and how have you learned to systematically approach things. And we believe that a learning an appropriate methodology of analyzing, developing strategy, and then executing is much more important than any one factual event, which could have luck associated with it, whether it's good or bad luck. And so we look for people that really have processes in place for how they think about things, how they execute things. And uh, that that's an important determinant we have found in the most successful business owners. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, and and evolution certainly has found that that as well. And and so for those individuals that are out seeking advice, you know, it's something that that uh, we should talk about probably is also advisory boards. I mean, when does somebody need to think about that, and how should they use their advisory board for for guidance? Yeah, that's a good question, uh, Jeff and. People ask us a lot. We have quite a large advisory board at Star Mountain Capital, uh, and and it's actually, well, optically, it looks like one advisory board. I think on our website, we have it segmented as two advisory boards. One is our senior advisors, and that includes folks like John Mack as the former chairman and CEO of Morgan Stanley, and folks that have ran very large, very complex, and very uh, successful financial institutions and asset management firms. We then also have industry advisors who are folks that are deeply knowledgeable in certain industries. But uh, in in fact, behind the curtain, so providing uh, evolution and uh, your listeners here uh, some some additional sort of confidential uh, information is I actually run our business with multiple advisory boards that are focused on different things. Some people are what I think of as experts in strategy, some in brand building, others in technology, others in various industries. And I think of them as concentric circles of knowledge that whenever I'm trying to make decisions, I want to surround myself and help surround my team with as smart and knowledgeable of people as possible to share experiences and ask questions to help us uh, come to the best decisions, whether it's relating to an investment or a portfolio company or relating to how we're, we're building and running uh, our core business ourselves. And so we are very large proponents of advisory boards. They do take time, thoughtfulness, and strategy into themselves. So they are an investment, both of time and financial resources. Uh, but we believe if you manage them appropriately, they can be of tremendous value. Hmm. No, hey, I, Brett, I, 
Go so ahead, let me jump in there. So, Brett, let's say you say that you're a young entrepreneur or, or an old entrepreneur, but you run a small business, and you know, obviously, you know, when you get to your size and you can attract some some big names, and and, and obviously, maybe kind of help out an entrepreneur that's interested. Like, God, I, I run a five million dollar manufacturing business. You know, how can I find advisors, and um, you know, how, how can I how can I find people to help me do this? Yeah, that's a, a very good question. It's not easy is the unfortunate simple answer, though uh, Star Mountain is actually developing some products and solutions to that uh, right now because we have found that is something that is a systematic challenge. The reason is there's just there's not a lot of money in it financially as far as somebody to build a standalone business to help a little company to develop advisors. There are firms that help develop advisory boards for very large companies uh, where you can make a lot of fees, uh, both as the board member, as the service provider helping uh, for that and so that there's a lot more efficiency there but for a small company general suggestions I would have is um, uh, three primary focuses uh, the first one is I would look at online networks including LinkedIn uh, the second thing is I would look at local universities as well as local uh, business hubs there are often different commerce departments in, in most uh, major cities across America. Uh, and then third is I would ask your relationships, including your service providers, to let people know that you are looking for advisors who can, who can help you build your business and seek some specific uh, or be able to provide rather some specificity on what type of value it is that you are looking for, whether it's looking for people that can help advise you around a strategic acquisition, whether it's people that can help advise you around your technology, around your product development, around further developing your marketing channels. I think if you provide that additional information, that can then have somebody say, oh, sales, marketing channel. Yeah, I know I know a way a lady or a man who is great at that, and here's somebody I can introduce you to, versus just generically saying, hey, I'm looking for for board members because that makes it hard for people to do the thinking to say well what is it so that would be uh, those would be three suggestions and then a, a bit of a follow-on of providing a little bit more specificity as far as what you'd like to get out of your advisors at least at that phase one if you develop a more complex business like Star Mountain Capital and you may want to develop multiple advisory boards then that's different but as phase one I would think about what are really the key value drivers you're looking for and that could also be additional corporate governance and that would be a different type of advisor for your business. One of the things, that, and just one last uh, one last thing that we have found, and, and, and Jeff and I have made some probably mistakes, is we, in the beginning we would wait for, we kept saying, where's the perfect advisor, the perfect advisor, when you had somebody that was showing energy and willing to put some effort into it. And what we found, and especially in some of the smaller companies, is that you know if you have somebody willing to put effort into it and, and, and work hard, it's like, you know, in, in the smaller end of the world, it, it, it that goes a long way. So we've uh, you know, we've been inclined more to just say, you know, look, if you know, if, if you can find people like that, you 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 know, you you put them on the board, you use them, you know, you uh, you uh, you know, you you see what see what they're willing to do, and sometimes it's it's been wonderful. 
but uh, yeah, I think waiting waiting for perfection is probably a long wait and one that you may be uh, maybe one of your final waiting moments on Earth. Um, <laughs> if you can, uh, if you find some high quality people with high integrity that are willing to be helpful, you need to develop your own system of managing a board, getting value out of them, setting schedules, and presenting information to them that they can help you. Uh, analyze and, and make the best decisions for whatever it is. And so I think that getting started somewhere uh, is very important. And I think that's uh, great advice, Brendan. So, you know, we've talked about some of the things to think about in terms of the types of partners, but one of those considerations has to be the kind of capital that you need for your business. So, Brett, what what should a small business owner be thinking about in terms of the ideal capital structure, what they need to look for in terms of debt or equity or somewhere in between? Yeah, Jeff, I would classify the capital structure, generically speaking, for a smaller business as four types of capital that you should be thinking about. The first type of capital, which I'll start with the lowest cost of capital, which is probably something uh, of value to uh, people on the, on the phone and to different business owners, which is senior debt and senior capital, which uh, can often come from a commercial bank, uh, but not always. There are many different forms and sources of alternative lenders available today. So the first type of capital and the lowest cost of capital would be your senior bank, or pardon me, senior debt capital. Your second form of capital would be your junior debt junior to the uh, senior capital in front of it. Your third option would be some form of minority equity, which could be structured equity or preferred equity is some other uh, terms behind that. And then your fourth type of capital would be controlling stake equity, where you've now given up control of your business to that shareholder. I would think of that as the four uh, initial boxes of capital for a small business to think about. And so with respect to the debt, it's kind of you take on as much debt as you can comfortably cover with with interest or or, or what what rules of thumb should a small business owner use when thinking about taking on only so much debt before they have to really start thinking about that higher cost of of capital? Yeah, that's a good question. And in fact, I should I should I should give a caveat to the senior debt being your cheapest capital. It's the cheapest capital if your business performs. If your business does not perform and the, you know, the senior lender takes your business, you may even have personal guarantees associated with it, that could all of a sudden become your most expensive capital. So depending on the performance of your business, I guess I should probably qualify, that is uh, your cheapest cost of capital. And that really helps address your question as far as what should a business owner do. I would say uh, step one is should think about what is your business plan and what is the trajectory of your business and apply some type of probabilistic modeling, which this doesn't have to be overly complicated, but just sort of estimating what is the probability of your business growing at 10%, 20%, 30%? What's the probability of it remaining flat? What's the probability of it decreasing in revenues by 20%, 30%? Apply some probabilities to a few outcomes so that you can think about 
where your business is most likely to go. And if you feel highly confident that it's at least going to keep growing a little bit, then generally your debt capital, uh, you generally want as much of it as you can, assuming you have very good uses of that capital. You have to, of course, look at the structure of that debt and say, when does that lender need its liquidity? And are you putting any financial distress on your business because the lender may need its liquidity before you have the ability to repay that debt? But assuming that you can repay the debt in a reasonable manner, um, having your lowest cost of capital, not senior debt, is a good game plan. And then and that, of course, moves up to the next uh, second lowest cost of capital, which is your junior debt that will be uh, subordinated to that senior loan, which it's possible you receive the senior loan from a bank. Uh, and then as you grow up, uh, go up, I should say, in capital structure to your minority equity or preferred equity, as some people would refer to as structured equity, those investors are now taking more risk and they're assuming uh, or they're targeting a higher return for that risk and therefore, if your business is successful and grows quickly, that will be uh, potentially more expensive capital. Then, of course, I'll throw one more twist because life can't be too simple. Uh, sure. Is that uh, it? Those equity players are often more likely to be value-added partners to you. It's generally not typical that your senior lender is going to be overly helpful in building your business when you get into the, your junior debt capital and into your equity capital now you have to factor in what kind of value can they also bring to the table so i would be i would caution investors from only looking at the price of things and instead uh, looking at what value you're trying to get no different than shopping for a car. Now, different cars have different prices, different types of vehicles out there, and you have to find what's really the right fit for your objectives. No, I think that's that's outstanding advice, and I love how you, you really simplified uh, what can be a very, very complicated uh, conversation. You are listening to the second stage. Uh, we are here with our guest, Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. Uh, their website's www.starmountaincapital.com. Uh, we want to thank all of our listeners, and uh, you can listen to this show and uh, uh, all our old episodes on voiceamerica.com, or you can go to iTunes, search for podcasts under the second stage. And if you have a chance, uh, please rate the show when you're on iTunes. So, Brett, I, I want to move on, uh, you know, with this topic and and talk about you're, you're an institutional investor. You're wanting to back small companies here. You know, what are some of the key things that you're looking for uh, or other institutional investors are looking for in backing some of these businesses? Very good question. And, and Jeff, that points out as well that there are different types of investors that will have different desires, may add different value and may have different requirements for their capital ongoing, which should be taken into consideration when looking for a capital partner. A family office or a high net worth investor, for example, uh, may be active with your business, may want to help or may not, may be very passive and may not require a lot of financial reporting. A business like Star Mountain as an institutional investor 
with uh, a lot of fiduciary responsibility to our shareholders and investors, we require a very deep level of transparency, controls, reporting uh, to ensure that your business is running properly and that we can properly report on it and help manage risks and opportunities for our investors. And so that's just something to, to also take into consideration for a business. Um, with that uh, said, if I were to give business owners a, a few quick pointers, um, I'll give you maybe 10 very fast ones. One is transparency, timely and accurate financial reporting. Two is having an organized document and process management for your business. Three is a concise and simplified business plan or roadmap. I accent the word concise and simplified, not a hundred page document. Uh, five is a showing that there is a need for your product or service in the market. Six is showing what your distinct competitive advantages are over your competitors. Seven is showing that you have an alignment of interest with your team and that you are thoughtful and you recognize the value of your team and helping you have a long-term sustainable and scalable business. Number eight is having a strong culture. Uh, number nine is a CEO who leads by example particularly within a small business, you need to be a player coach and drive value. And number 10 is contingency planning relating to any key people in your business so that an institutional investor understands there can be continuity if something were to happen to yourself as a CEO or any of your other key executives. That's again very very concise. I think you're you're right on the money. Uh, we're going to take another break here on the second stage, and then we come back. We're going to dig into some of the key risks that institutional investors look at in smaller companies. Uh, we're with our guest uh, uh, Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. Thanks for tuning into the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. 
Thanks for tuning in to this second stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson, and our guest, Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. Like any forum, this show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com, or you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Brendan? Yeah, Brett, you, you had mentioned earlier. I think the first thing was that the uh, you know the the financial statements, and you know I, I suspect um, you know at some stage of the game it, it becomes uh, you know a, a given that the financials are very solid. In our world, it's almost the exception, and and I and I and I it's it's you know as you know from our our process, the the financials are the first and most important thing. Maybe talk about you know. The, you know the difference between a company where they they got really easy financials to understand and get your arms around versus companies that you have to spend you know hours just at, you know kind of beating them around. I mean, what's what's the difference in your mind of the value of those two companies? Yeah, you you first off, uh, Brian, you bring up a very good point, and of my. Uh, 10 key points that I mentioned earlier on your show for institutional investors that they look for in companies, you uh, rightly pointed out that the first one that I mentioned was the transparency, timely, and accurate financial reporting. Uh, For us as an institutional investor, if you do not have this, we cannot consider you as a potential investment. Uh, I think it's always important that uh, business owners understand who they're doing business with, whether it be a client or an investment partner, that for an investment partner, uh, understanding that we look at thousands of business opportunities a year and we need to be able to quickly and concisely understand if this is an opportunity that we should consume additional resources and time to understand. And if it's very difficult for us to do that because the financial information is not clear and transparent, it becomes very unlikely that we are going to spend time on it. And our view in general is that that means it's a business owner that is not properly understanding their clients to the level that they understand the needs and the importance of controls and transparent financial reporting. And there's there's a, an understanding that we all have, being, being an entrepreneur myself as well, is we all have to-do lists that we are never going to possibly finish or accomplish. And often the things that rise to the top of the to-do list are ways that you're going to drive sales, putting out fires, different things that are generating growth and often more near-term growth. Um, In building truly uh, transparent, timely, accurate, historical financials as well as financial planning models and metrics, we appreciate and understand that as a business owner, that means that in one sense, you have to take one step backwards because you have to take your foot off the gas a little bit on one other area of your business in order to invest more time and resources into developing that type of historical and forward-looking financial reporting. But our belief is that that one step backwards, if you want to think of it that way by that investment, should be able to result in five to 10 steps forward. And if you do really believe that you have a business that has the opportunity to be a large, sustainable, scalable company, this is a step you must take. And then the question is, when do you take it? And generally, uh, our view is that it is better for you to take that step earlier 
then later in your business so that you can start to better understand your own business and that you can build contingency planning for it. And then it gives you the ability to attract high quality institutional investment partners, which can help take your business to the next level, can help provide credibility to sales channels and other partners that may want to sign up for long-term contracts with you. If you can have the credibility of having clean and transparent financials that allows you to access an institutional quality investor that can bring a tremendous amount of transfer of trust to different partners to help you grow your business i literally jeff we should take what what brett said right there and like put it on our website and every time like somebody like sends us a package we should have them play that piece i mean i, I literally i mean i literally just you know it, it's amazing you know we're, we're in the real small end of the market and and there are so many neat little companies uh, that that we talk to that when you when you you know when you say send me your financials and they say well you know I I gotta you know I, I'm gonna have to explain them to you and I'm like well I can tell you right now if I you have to explain your financials to me I you know it may it almost makes it impossible for me to consider your your, your you you as an as an opportunity and if you're if you're out there with with projects or recurring revenue and you're in your and you're using a cash basis statement I can promise you. You know, it's it's you're 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 limiting your ability to to get the to get certain partners that 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 um, that Brett mentioned earlier. I, I that's that little I could I could spend the next I'm on my soapbox I could spend the next you know 45 days talking about that specific thing. But I'm going to move on, Brett and Jeff. I, I'm I'm, willing, <laughs> I'm capable of doing it. But it's it, it literally listen everybody. It, it is really really important stuff. Maybe move on to like depth of management. I think most people and and I was in this in this ballpark too. You know, you're like, wait a minute. I you know I, I got it. I, it's all here. You know I I I can I can sell. I can I can do everything. But you know and and then apparently you, you realize that that's not what people are listening for. Yeah, depth of management is another one that is a real investment in your business. And I, I think everybody has um, succumbed to the fact in life that we cannot scale time, no matter how creative we are or intelligent, that we all uh, have 24 hours in our day and we can only accomplish so much in that. And as a result of that, if you really want to scale your business, you do have to build a high quality management team. And our view is that that's not only important for scaling your business, but it's also important for the sustainability of your company, which is important to the valuation of your company. And it's important, presumably, to the extent you have family or dependents, uh, it's important to them as well. Uh, if something were to happen to you, most people, I presume, would want to help protect their family, though I would say for smaller businesses, very few of them truly have enough depth of management in their company that could withstand something material happening to them and their business and family and all of the people that may have uh, sacrificed a lot along the journey of helping you build your business uh, that you know, they're often not in a position where they're actually taken care of. And uh, I think that that investment in management team, if done the right way, is again, something that probably means you're taking your foot off the gas in sales and marketing and other aspects of your business. But again, it's something that should allow you then to 
build a business that's three times, five times, maybe more in value and in size. And so hopefully that is a smart investment of time, both thinking about the upside as well as the downside protection of your business. And certainly something that shows mindfulness when you're speaking with an institutional investor or when you're speaking with any other type of large strategic partner, if whether it's Walmart who you're looking to sell your uh, widgets with on their shelves, they're going to want to see that you have a sustainable business and business model in place. The in in it's and I think it's 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 crazy. I, I think you know again as we've seen invested in wonderful little companies, it's it's not only having a management team, but it's about the um, continuity and the culture, and that sounds so. Zen, but it's a fact. Maybe talk about you know you know not only do you have to have a great team, but you gotta you gotta work as one. Yeah, and you know one one point that's interesting for business owners that we see them get stuck up on many times is this feeling to holding on to somewhat of a fictitious number. The fictitious number being what percentage of your business you own. Now, that number may matter for control. So let's say that maybe 51% uh, and that threshold makes a difference, but presumably you have 49 other percent that you might be able to play with. And of course, structurally, you can provide economics to other people that are non-voting economics. So you, you could dilute yourself further than that. We view a lot of business owners thinking a lot about how much of the business do I own versus what is the value within the business that I own, which should be the question, right? You can own 20% of a business that's worth $100 million, and therefore that's a $20 million valuation, or own 100% of a business worth $10 million. And I would argue that not only is that $20 million value of the larger company more valuable, but it's all it's probably also more sustainable and can weather downturns more. And so... Uh, at Star Mountain Capital, for example, I recently hired a full-time president who had formerly ran uh, as the CEO two publicly traded asset management firms and was also the head of Bank of America's global private equity business running an approximately a $10 billion portfolio of alternative investment assets. And I did that to build longer-term sustainable value and depth in our business, which helps show to our investors what we're doing as well. So while I'm sitting here providing thoughts and sharing stories and suggestions for business owners, uh, I would like to say that I am drinking my own Kool-Aid as well, because I think that's important in life. It's often easy to give advice to others, but I, I do fundamentally believe in this, and I do believe that the value that we have created in Star Mountain Capital, uh, while I have diluted myself, I have built a much stronger management team that gives us a much stronger, more scalable, and more sustainable business um, and so that would be, you know, one thing I would, um, you know, just uh, suggest that business owners think about because we often see that as a bit of a, I'll call it a mental impediment as far as why they don't bring other high quality people onto their team or they don't align them in the right way. And Jeff, to your question of culture, 
culture is critical. When I started in the executive program at Harvard Business School, uh, they made us rank 10 things, and they were all important things, as you can imagine, you know, growth of your business, uh, profitability, different things like that, and culture was one of them. And they said, you don't have to rank these in one to 10. Now, I've always been somebody that believes in culture. Maybe it's part of growing up in a small town of 10,000 people where you sort of work as a little mini culture into yourself, or or some other components of my life, but I've always believed it's important. And I think I started with it as number four, which was pretty high. Most people had it ranked as seven or eight. When I left the program, I ranked it as number one. If you do not have a great culture, your probability of successfully scaling your business and having a sustainable business that can weather challenges, which you will have unless you're extraordinarily lucky, which I don't think is part of a business plan, you need a great culture of people that are going to be invigorated, work hard, help you attract the best people, motivate the best people, retain the best people. And that is what it really allows you to create a differentiated and scaled business. And so culture to us, uh, Brendan, is, is one of the single most important things. And it has to come from the top down. You have to show people that you care about them, that you're engaged, you're engaged in a community, and that your team understands that so that they treat their team like that and they treat customers and clients the same way. Yeah, I'd like to point out that you know we have lots of successful people on this show uh, like you, Brett, and every single one of them says the exact same thing. So I just want to point out to our listeners that another very successful business person and entrepreneur has said that culture is number one. So I just want to point that out for our listeners. Well, and I think it's 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 um, it's not easy to get there, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things where you have to show vulnerability. You have to be willing to you know to to show people that you that you need help to succeed, and you have to be willing to you know said you said let go you know let go and let people uh, you know kind of really you know really get the right people right seats and let them let them do what you've hired them to do. And, um, so it's uh, Jeff, unfortunately we're kind of, we're, we're running out of time, but I could, as you know, I could talk about that subject forever also. Yep. Yep. And I think you guys both made, uh, awesome points there about the culture. Uh, and we always talk about passion for possibilities at this, at this, uh, uh, late stage in our show. Brennan, you got about 30 seconds to blow my hair back. What do you got? I, 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 I've seen you. It's, it's, it's already took care of it. No, look. Obviously, we've been we've been uh, we've known Brett Brett for uh, three four years now, and and always continues to amaze that you know kind of what the, the progress they're making and all, and uh, so so it's just it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I think most importantly, being from um, are you from Montreal? Or did you go just go to college in Montreal? I went to college in Montreal. I grew up in uh, northern British Columbia. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you whether you're a Toronto or a Cleveland fan tonight, but uh, I'm going to definitely know the answer to that. So, I'll plead uh, the fifth. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. With well, we, that, uh, we really appreciate you uh, you being on the show, Brett, and we appreciate all your support for those uh, folks out there. Uh, you know, Brett found uh, Evolution uh, as a diamond in the rough, and he's been a big, uh, strong supporter of ours as, as we're trying to build our, our, our business. We're both focused on uh, – growing small businesses here in, in America. Anyway, with that, uh, thank you for tuning in the second stage. Uh, Brett, thank you for being on the show. And Brennan, always enjoy being on the show with you. Yeah, likewise. It was fun stuff. Thanks, Brett. My, my pleasure and an honor for us to be supporting and working with the, uh, you guys and the team at Evolution Capital. Uh, you are some of the best investors we find uh, in the small business segment. And I'm sure many of your business owners uh, would attest to that, that you've helped uh, grow. 
Thank, Thank you very you much. much, Brett. Take care, everybody, in Second Stage Land, and uh, looking forward to the next show next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. We'll be right back.